All right, I'm Adam Rappaport. Welcome to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. We're coming to you from the 36th floor of One World Trade Center, the morning after the Bon Appetit Epicurious holiday party. So if we all sound a little crusty this morning, I apologize, but it's the holiday season. You just got to deal with it. Joining me today are Carla Lolly Music, food director. How are you? I'm I'm a little, I'm doing all right. I'm actually not bad. How you are look, you doing? You look good. I feel good. And uh, we got... Claire Saffitz here, Senior Associate Food Editor. That's right. All right. Claire, what, what time did you leave last night? Uh, I went to the bar after, Whoa. which is not something I usually do. Yeah. Uh, I got home, I think it was after one. But we're not we're not here to talk about the holiday party. <laughs> we're here to talk about baking, um, holiday baking. And, and, you know, I'm not really a baker, but I'm always curious about it. And I think if there is one time of year where you bake, it is the holidays, whether it's pies, cakes, cookies, a boost de Noel, perhaps. Um, so what I want to learn from you guys is a couple of things I might or should be baking this year with some tips to go along with it. Um, Claire, you're the sort of, you're the resident baker on staff in our test kitchen. So I'm going to start with you. Um, you mentioned in my office just now that you actually make fruitcakes, like the old school fruitcake. This is the first year I've made them. So it's not a tradition that I usually do, but I was curious about it. Uh, so I got a recipe from a friend who is British, and her it goes back in her family generations. Her great-grandmother cooked in like a big Downton Abbey-style house, and this is their fruitcake recipe. So I made it in October, wow. and it's it's like 75% dried fruit, basically kind of held together by like a very dense, moist cake. Is the cake kind of like a gingerbread cake, or what is the cake exactly? It's like a – so it has treacle in it, which is kind of the English version of molasses, or molasses is the American version of treacle. Mm. Um, so it's sort of a dark, spiced cake. Uh, has a lot of butter in it and a lot of brown sugar. Um, and they've been sitting wrapped in my cabinet in the test kitchen – for about a month, and every Monday I have a calendar reminder to feed it with a little brandy. So you poke holes in the top, brush a little brandy over it to keep it really moist, and then wrap it back up. So you bake the cake. Yes. And then you take it out of the oven, and do you immediately treat it with the liquor? Or? Yes. So you brush, as soon as it comes out, you brush it, keep it really moist. Then you let it cool, you wrap it up, and you don't have to chill it. There's so much dried fruit and the alcohol, it basically preserves itself. And it's just been it's just been aging away. I've seen Claire do this. I've been downstairs on Monday when the alarm goes off and she's like, ooh, gotta feed the fruitcakes. And she takes them out and they look like hubcaps. Literally. <laughs> They're like black, lumpy hubcaps wrapped in foil that she's tending like a small child. Explain to me what inspired you to make it because uh, I mean Fruitcakes literally are a punchline. They are the most ridiculed right. baked good ever known to man. Right. What made you say, you know what, I actually want to try that. I bet they could be good. That's just it. There's a reason why things are things. Fruitcake is a tradition because at some point it must have been good. Otherwise, why would people make it? Or so it was I the only thought, thing that was going to get people through the hard times. Right, I guess. I don't know. Well, it was, it was also going back to those days where you had, you know, like air cured meats and salted this and that. Like you could keep it non-refrigerated for quite a while. And so how many right. weeks has it been going now? It's been almost four weeks. Okay. And and how do you know when it's ready? That's a great question. I don't know. I just, I figure, give it five weeks until Christmas, and then I'm just going to call it done. It could probably go longer. But I figured if it's filled with dried fruit and soaked in brandy, how bad could it be? So I think pretty bad. I hate dried fruit. <laughs> like, dried fruit and, like, you just said 75% dried fruit. That's not, like, a baked good. What? Yeah, it's this weird, I don't know what it is. It's like half dried sausage, half dessert. <laughs> it's like the salumi of the, of the cake uh, world. Of the pastry world, right. So once it's been sufficiently aged, 
and who knows when that will be. I'm going to just call it at five weeks. You uh, you cover it in some apricot jam and then a layer of marzipan, and then you decorate it with royal icing. And at that point, it's basically hermetically sealed. And what I hear is that it will keep for several years at that point. Wow. That, that was yeah. the part that blew my mind because you go through all this, then you finish, and then it literally lasts forever. Yes. But you but you still, after you put the, the frosting on and icing and, and whatnot, you, still, you would then still – contain it in a tin or something, correct? In a tin, yes. Once it's cut, it won't last so long, but uncut, the fruit yeah. will last basically forever. And to, to serve, do you just slice and serve with some tea or something? Or how do you yeah, I think thing? very thin slices. It's pretty intense with all the dried fruit and all the alcohol. So I think I think small quantities, which means one fruitcake will serve like a thousand people because they're huge. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm talking about this as if it's from outer space, but just as a sort of nice Jewish boy from Washington, D.C., I've never had actual fruitcake before. Right. Well, as a nice Jewish girl from St. Louis, neither have I. <laughs> so we'll see. All right. So, so you have that as your pet project, as something kind of wacky and fun. We'll, yes. we'll see how it turns out. Um, but what is talk to me about your go-to cookie this year. And you, you're a, a, a great cookie baker. If I'm going to make one cookie this year, what should it be? I always make sugar cookies. In the last several years, I've made... BA's Ultimate Sugar Cookie, which was on the cover of our December issue in 2013. It was the one in case you listeners out there subscribe to the magazine. It was the gold and white painted cookies on this sort of black and white plate. It was very graphic. And and so what what is what are the hallmarks of a good sugar cookie? And, and are they easy to make? Are they complicated? Or is there a technique? They're one of the easiest cookies to make. It's all very basic ingredients. You probably already have them in your kitchen. It's just butter, flour, a little bit of egg, and sugar. Uh, I like this recipe because it's very quick and simple. The dough is really easy to roll out, and it's a delicious cookie. Um, it has good snap, but it's not too crunchy. Mm-hmm. It bakes really, really evenly, um, and uh, and then it's a perfect blank canvas for whatever you want to do to it. You can just eat them plain, or you can go ahead and decorate. With with for either of you guys, when when making a, a cookie dough, and especially a cookie dough that's so simple that. Has, you can't hide behind, any, behind anything. There's no chocolate chips. There's no this or that in there. Um, is there a technique in terms of bringing the dough together? I know like in biscuits, like they always say, don't overwork it. And make sure you have really cold butter and this and that. Is this kind of idiot proof or is there some technique you should be mindful of? As far as, I mean, rolled out cookies, there's an extra element of technique because you're not just like plopping dough on a on a sheet tray. Like like chocolate chip where you just take right. it right from the bowl right. and throw it's it on scooping, there. scooping, right. Yeah. So this, I would say... You know, you want the dough to be kind of free of dry, floury spots because when you roll it out, that's going to cause it to sort of crack and split in certain uh. places. So just make sure it's pretty well mixed. You don't want to, you know, beat it for a long time because that'll make the cookies kind of tough. But just make sure everything's really well incorporated before you move on to the next step, basically. Um, all right. So you, you you make several trays of these. They're crisp and golden brown, light golden brown. How do you decorate them? I like to decorate with royal icing for a lot of reasons. One is that it dries totally hard, which means you can stack the cookies when you're done. But what the hell is royal icing? Royal icing sounds complicated and hard, but it's just a mixture of egg whites and powdered sugar. That's it? That's it. You can add a little lemon or a little vanilla extract for flavoring, but it's very simple. And then you just add food coloring to make different colors out of it? Or yeah, you, can, you, you can color it. I like to sort of keep it. It's a very beautiful white color, so I like to keep it simple and just go straight white royal icing, but then you can decorate with sugars while the icing is still a little wet. Sugars meaning like the different kinds of sugars you buy at a baking store, the, the little pearls or whatever the hell those right, things are. Right, right. There's little, there's like edible glitter. There's, there's a wide world of cookie decorating sugars. 
Uh, so there's edible glitter, there's sanding sugar, there's little silver and gold balls called dragees, which are mm. very fun. That's what I meant by the little pearls. I didn't know yeah. they were called dragees. Yeah, dragees. So you just go to your local baking store and there's this, this panoply of cool little colorful things to yes. buy. All right, now, uh, Carla, is this something I imagine you can do with the kids? Would you say you've got kids? I do have kids. I think that the, this dough is really easy and I've made it and super straightforward. So scooping, measuring, mixing, handling, you know, operating the stand mixer, kids like to do that. The rolling out part, get them out of the way and then bring them back over when it's time to cut out the shapes. Okay, so, but in the magazine in 2013, I'm looking at, we have these squares with, it looks like some painting from MoMA or something with uh, gold and blue and red. So it's like they you did the white icing on top. And then what do you, where is this color? What is this paint? What is this? Uh, that is luster dust. Luster dust. Wow. That, I went to that club back in, back in the day. <laughs> uh, what is luster dust? Luster dust is a colored powder that you mix mm. with something alcohol-based. So it, you can mix it with vanilla extract or almond extract. Uh, and it creates a little paste that you can paint onto the cookies. And you can do any kind of design you want, any color you want. Yeah, use little paintbrushes. You can do dots, lines. You can cover the entire cookie or just add little accent colors. All right, Carl. So we're, you, you, you've got kids. You're baking this year. Um, you admitted that you're not quite the baker that Claire Saffitz is. You're not. One so, day. One day. I'm you aspire stick, to be. Stick close to her. Um, so you're, uh, you're kind of the everyman baker. So what 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 can you, what will you make and what can I make at home that's 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 doable, that is not like the bouche de Noel that we have in the December issue of the current issue that is, you know, 4.0 that Claire did a beautiful job of. Um, what are you going to be baking? If I'm not going to make those sugar cookies, which are a good basic um, cookie for me, I get really tripped up in all the decorating. I might do fine with the cookie baking, but once I get into the decorating, it's like, you know, solidified icing all over the counter. It's in my hair. I've got glitter in my eyebrows. Um, So for me, I'm going to go with these beautiful Linzer cookies that we put in this December issue. A Linzer cookie is a spiced sugar cookie that is sandwiched with a layer of um, jelly, usually red raspberry or red currant, I think is pretty classic. And they the top piece gets powdered sugar on it and they look really beautiful. So you get this window pane effect where you can see down to the yeah. jelly inside. And what I like about these, um, we did all sorts of cool shapes. So we had like ones that almost look like playing cards, like rectangular with a little rectangle cut out in the middle. We have other rectangles with two round circles cut out. We've got diamond shaped ones with diamonds cut out. Um, they're they're very cool and they're just you kind of stare at them and you're like and you do I think that's a key doing a bunch of different shapes is totally exciting. yeah I think that's fun can I just use store bought jam or do I make oh like, yeah store bought do you, do you thin it do you cook it down or no, anything and I would use jelly not like preserves because uh-huh. you want something without pieces in it yeah so you have a, a nice sort of even color you know what you know what kids don't like they don't like pieces of fruit <laughs> in their in their jelly. Neither yeah. do I, at least yeah. in my Linzer cookie. So you uh, just buy, is it straight out of the jar? It's, it's it's from the jar, but I warm the jar a little bit in the microwaves just to get a really nice even texture so there's no kind of lumpy bits. And it's also probably easier to spread that way. Much easier, yeah. All right, that sounds awesome. And then, although with these, Carla, let's say you make them, you can't really stack them up, though, if they're dusted with powder sugar, No, but can you, you can make, you can bake all of the rectangles, mm-hmm. bake all of your cutouts, and then keep those airtight for a few days before you want to sandwich them and dust uh, them for a party. Okay, so with all these Christmas cookies, and, and you can search for them, I think, at bonappetit.com slash cookies, you can typically make the dough ahead and freeze it, right? Yes. It's- the dough freezes really well. You can wrap it tightly in plastic in a flattened disc, 
and freeze it for a couple months. I also realized that a lot of people don't know that you can freeze the actual baked cookie for a couple weeks too. So really? you can actually bake everything off a couple weeks before and then throw them in Ziploc bags in your freezer. Before the holiday insanity starts and the in-laws show up and all that sort of stuff. Yes. That's great if you're going to do a decorating party. Again, getting back to the kids, like if you were going to just have tons of plain cookies ahead of time and set them up for a decorating station, it's good to know. All right, Carla, but you you don't only bake cookies as the everyman baker. What else do you bake? I'm, I really have fun with candies and brittles around the holidays. I always make a big either batch of peanut brittle or any kind of nut brittle or something caramel-based. I guess they're all caramel-based, but I've made the – um, like a salted caramel sauce that you can also scale up and make a lot of and then have... Will you gift that? I do. I just have stuff for... I have the people on my list who I buy presents for and then I make at least, you know, 20 other edible things, whether I put them into cellophane bags like I do with the brittle or caramel sauce or individual caramels that I just have around. And that way when somebody comes over and they have a gift for you, you're like, and I have this gift for you. Or even our UPS guy who I remember years, like we literally saw that guy every day, you know, delivering the Amazon stuff for the kids and stuff for friends and towards the holidays, you know, you're giving that guy something and showing up at parties and you just have something, just have something to give. It feels really nice. And then picking things also that don't go bad so that when it's over, like if I ended up with three extra jars of caramel sauce in the fridge, that is no problem. Wow, you are so Martha. So Martha. Oh I love God. Martha. Martha's, Martha's store is amazing. You used to work at Martha back I in the day. I did. Yeah. She, I just love the fact that she actually does this stuff. And you're like, wow, that's a good idea. They I'm were very do that. passionate. I mean, the holidays over there was really felt like, you know, Santa's workshop. There were yeah. just insane decorations and all that stuff going uh, on. That is very cool. So th- let's just talk brittle. Um to make a basic brittle, what is the technique? Because I think that's something that everyone loves, especially kids, because it's all sugar. Um, easy to do, I'm assuming? If you can make caramel, you can make brittle. So how do I make caramel? How do you start? Caramel you with regular granulated sugar, a certain amount of water, cooking that until a dark caramel in forms a in a heavy bottom pot. You just have to be careful with brittle because you're going to add baking soda, and it foams up quite a bit. It gets that aerated texture. Well, before we get to the baking soda, as you're – uh, are you eyeballing the the caramel, or do you need a candy thermometer? I eyeball, and so it gets to a nice. I like it. Brown. I like to go pretty dark, and there's a certain stage when you, if you've seen if you're seeing smoke, you're you're too far. Um, it's always good to have a white plate next to you, and while the caramel is once it's taking on color, and it's okay to stick a spoon in there, kind of go in and just drop it onto the plate next to you, and you can get a really good idea of the color. But darker than a brown paper bag, a really nice. I like a really nice mahogany that kind of bittersweet flavor comes okay, so, out. So you're at that point, and then you add you add baking soda. The caramel will right away foam up and get super bubbly. You have to stir it through, and like that's when class. you like science class where you could get a four. Fourth degree burn. Yeah, when you're making the volcano. (laughs) Exactly. So, are you whisking or stirring? Uh, Stirring with the spoon. Okay, so you're whisk. You're stirring with the spoon. You want the the foam to calm down. I use a heat proof spatula. Okay. And then once the foaming stops, you have to immediately add all your nuts. Off the heat, though. Off the heat. Okay, and then you pour it on. And then you pour that onto. If you have parchment paper, um, great. Line that. If you don't use foil, if you have a silpat, one of those nonstick um, rubbery mats, mats, those are awesome. Those are awesome. You pour that on and as quickly as possible, spreading it out. But at a certain point, it's just going to seize up. So you just stop. It doesn't have to be perfect, right? No, definitely not. I because, love because what are you going to do with it? Break once it's it hard? into irregular shards. You just smash or, it. Yeah, just 
you can smash it. You can use your hands to break it up um, as big or small pieces as you want. And you can also do sheets of the brittle and stack those with parchment paper in between. All right, guys, before I let you go, and this has been very educating for me um, and hopefully our listeners too, if the holidays are for baking, they're also for gift giving. So I want a couple of gift suggestions from each of you for the for the avid baker or just home cook. Claire, what do you got? For the home cook, this year I'm giving, this is, I guess, a spoiler. Uh, I'm going to give my parents a fish spatula. It's oh. a very, like, relatively inexpensive sort of basic tool, but they don't have one and have never used one. And it's something that when you have it in your kitchen, I think it just becomes the thing you always reach for when you're cooking on the stove. So I'm literally going to buy them a fish spatula for the holidays. I use one literally every morning when making eggs. Right. Or explain explain a fish spatula to someone who's never used one. Yeah, it's a l- sort of long, flexible spatula where it's not a solid sheet of metal. It's sort of like an outline with some with some like kind spokes. of like scalloped out. Yeah, right. Uh, but very nimble and flexible. Yeah, it's flexible. It has a little curved end, so it's really great for just getting underneath things and lifting them. So. You know, if you if you make pancakes in the morning, it's great for that. Flipping eggs. Um, yeah, I think they're they're those are one of the things you will use every day. What um yes. is is do you have a splurge gift for that someone special? Yeah, a splurge gift, and I did this last year, is a really nice enamel Dutch oven, like a Le Creuset or a mm, Staub, and yeah. they're pretty expensive, but they last forever. Yeah, those will literally last a, a lifetime. Yeah. What is there a shape you like for those guys? I like the basic round Dutch oven. Um, I think anything above like five and a half quarts is is practical. Anything smaller, it's like a little too small if you are cooking for a family. Uh, but it's nice you can pick a beautiful color that the person will really like. I think it's such it's such a lasting, timeless gift. Yeah. Um, and no one is ever disappointed no, you when will, they get that. You will, you will have it forever and you also use it forever, yes. which I love about yeah. those. Yeah, and it comes really right at the beginning of those dark winter months when all you really want to do is braise something and cook sort of comfort food and you'll use it every week. Worth the investment. Carla, what do you got? I agree with Claire. I love giving gifts that people will use and touch every day. So this year I've been looking around the kitchen for inspiration of my things that I really love the most. I have a pepper mill that I'm very passionate about that I think um, would uh, blow people's minds. What Really? What kind of pepper mill is this? It's called Unicorn brand pepper mill. It is not wood. So that's one of the reasons why it looks kind of funny. Like it doesn't look like a, one of those really fancy, pretty dark wood Peugeot pepper mills that yeah. people love to have next to their stove. But the thing is awesome. I've had it for almost 20 years. Wow. It has a really large uh, opening so you can pour the pepper in without it spilling all over the place. I always do that and, and it always ends up all Yeah, of course, because where's it going to go? It's like yeah. going down the tiniest, it's like a tiny little thing going down a tiny little chute bouncing all over the place. Yeah. So this has a big opening and it also holds almost an entire jar of peppercorns at once. And is it is it made out of wood or what's it made out of? No, it's made out of plastic. Oh, plastic. But it has a rad gear with a really awesome pepper mill in it um and you can adjust it and it's they it has a little tray underneath it that catches any nice about how much do you know they retail i think they're for about now? 35 dollars. that's it yeah that's a good investment it's awesome so the unicorn anything else um another gift i love to give is black steel pans because they come in all different sizes. so for people who love their cast iron skillet this is like the next evolution of that they're thin um they have a little beveled edge on them and i use them they're like the original nonstick. once you season those things they're like crepe pans yeah they get kind of shiny they get shiny they're nothing sticks i can scramble eggs in them i use them for griddling toast i use them for searing scallops they're really fun and they're also not very expensive yeah 
Yeah, I, would, I have one that I inherited from my mom, kind of a small crepe sort of pan, which I'll make eggs in when I'm home on the weekends. And what I like about those, I mean, I love a cast iron skillet for doing steak and stuff. But what's nice about the steel pans is that they, yeah, they have a, a lower edge. It's more sort of inclined and you can do that flip sort of thing easier. Like trying to manipulate a big, heavy cast iron skillet so with, a, with a stiff sort of deep edge. You're not, it's tough to get a spatula in there. These, like I said, are a bit more nimble and a bit more easy to use. I mean, I think there's definitely room for both in your kitchen, but I would, I would definitely endorse those. Any brand in particular that you would, you would like? The it's Bourget, B O U R G E A T. Okay, it's a cool. French brand, but um, you know, there's a lot of good brands. I mean, you just it's black steel, so as long as that, it's really more about the material and then the size. Yeah, and I think what's great about them, um, and, and along with the the the, the Creuset or the uh, style pots. Uh, that you mentioned like yeah the more you use them the better they get and and they will last forever i'm into gifts that are not you don't need a special occasion to use them those lifetime gifts that people use they might even forget you but they will still <laughs> love their band they'll never forget you carl nor will i uh guys thank you so much carl lolly music claire saffitz happy holidays guys thanks merry christmas well there's a christmas tree in the secret ninja room it's all decked out with boughs of jolly holly, lights are strung among the blades and throwing stars. Stacks of greeting cards have been filled out for the party. The Ice King is baking a fruit cake. Gunter is dancing to a playlist of his favorite songs. This podcast is brought to you by executive producer Bell Cushing and project manager Carrie Polis with editing by Mitra Kaboli. The theme music is by Valerie and the Greedies. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Will anyone show and help build men out of snow? Will the Ice King spend Christmas alone?